Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Now at this point in time, in history, sin has entered the world. Adam and Eve have been cut off from the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Sin has entered and God provided a sacrifice and a covering for Adam and Eve. Y'all remember they sowed fig leaves, right? And if you don't have a fig tree, remember we said last week, fig leaves are real irregular. They, they ain't too good at covering, right? And so God brings a better covering. He brings a better sacrifice. It's a sacrifice and a covering that required blood to be shed. And it was the first foreshadowing of what God would do when he sent Jesus to this earth to, to pay the price for our sins. But I want you to imagine for just a moment before you um, get, start taking the verse out of context, what it would have been like to have lived in a place where there was no sin and now all of a sudden you're living in a world that's out to get you. It, it's kind of like switching back and forth. My kids have got me into it. It's like you, you're playing Minecraft in creator mode and then you switch over into survivor mode. See, only a few people know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, what's Minecraft? That's of the devil. No, don't worry about it. Isn't it funny how everything we don't understand, we say it's of the devil? Never mind, that's another message. But all of a sudden, they go from this perfect environment until now everything's tougher, everything's harder. If you think your marriage has been through some tough seasons, Adam and Eve... I imagine every morning they woke up, they were just like, what were you thinking? <laughs> this is a lot harder. And then when Eve gave birth for the first time, Adam should have stayed gone for about a month. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife. The word know or knew in this scripture is the first time we see this word used. Um, yes, it is a, many of us see it as a polite way to mention sex, but it really shows us more what sex was designed to be rather than just something that was for procreation and enjoyment. You see, when you look at the word that the Bible uses for sex, it, it doesn't even really mention enjoyment or mean procreation. It means to have a deep understanding of, to be revealed and to reveal, to perceive and discern. You see, what the world would have us believe is that sex is just for enjoyment, and then there would be certain religions that would have us to believe that it's just for procreation, but God has a third, deeper purpose in mind, and it's to really know somebody at a deeper, intimate level. Why would I take the time to say that? I can't give you every practical application of what this means, but can I talk to my students for just a second? Any teenagers in here, wave at me real fast. They're all, they're like, you're talking about sex. I ain't waving at you right now. 
I mean, honestly, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna talk to everybody. Whether you want it to or not, sex has a way of binding you. It has a way of anchoring your soul to someone else's, whether it's another student your age or whether it's a person on the computer screen. You might, the enemy would have you just believe that it's just surface level enjoyment, but it's much, much deeper. And I want you to learn to treat it in the way that God intended it to be used. And it was to help you know someone. It was to help you have a deep understanding of someone to be revealed and to reveal, to perceive and discern. Eve says this funny thing in here, and I don't know if you catch it, but she says, I have gotten a man. Don't take that out of context. Some of y'all are pointing to your husbands right now. He's like, I got me a man too. It's, it's, it's such a weird thing to say, but remember the, the language here, it appears that Cain was the firstborn man. Maybe not the firstborn human, but the firstborn man. In other words, it's almost like finally I have gotten a man. Why would she say this. Do you remember back in Genesis 3.15? Now, if you don't know and you've come in, we're going through the Bible chronologically. So this is going to be about a, a three or four year sermon series. Amen. <laughs> we're really not sure how it's going to unfold. When we, when we can't figure out plans around here, we just blame things on the Holy Spirit. Anybody else do the same thing? <laughs> right? We'll just we're just going to go where he leads us and address these things as we come across them. But in Genesis 3.15, do you remember the promise of God? And if you don't, just say no. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That's why you're up there, man. You see, anytime the enemy comes along to do what he does, to steal, kill, and destroy, we always see God coming in and providing a sacrifice, providing a covering, and giving us a promise. And that is where our hope lies. He said this promise, he said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So when she says, I've gotten a man, Eve is thinking to herself, the promise is here. This is my seed. It's a man. And finally, we're going to crush the enemy's head. Isn't it, isn't it, it unusual how many times the Lord will give us a promise and then what we do is we take a promise from God and we kind of put our own spin on it. And then we get disappointed when it doesn't unfold like we think it should unfold, right? But God's ways are not our ways. His thinking is a little bit higher than ours. And again... She bore, verse two, bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. I'm gonna ask you to follow me along as I read. Um, if you're bored right now, maybe it's because you forgot what reading God's word does. It builds faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
So right now there's a spiritual transactioning, whether you feel it or you don't, happening in your spirit right now. God is building faith. And the kingdom of God works off the currency of faith. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by his spirit, says the Lord, but it requires an atmosphere of faith. So if you're bored right now and you're, you're getting distracted, I want you to just to tap yourself on the heart and say, what we're doing right now is building faith. In the course of time, Cain brings an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Fun fact, agriculture and raising animals were among the earliest of humans, we were not cave people. That's another piece of junk that is shoved down our throats by the world systems to lead us into this place of believing in evolution. We see right out of the gate. And where did they learn agriculture from? The Garden of Eden. I was looking back through my Dake's annotated reference Bible. Anybody got one? Say Amen. Say it in your best amen voice, though, <laughs> or we're going to take it from you. And I saw a random thing that our founding pastor, C.R. Holder, said about 15 years ago, randomly in the middle of a message. He said, used to say things like this, and sometimes it would ruffle people's feathers and they wouldn't understand it. And then three or four months later, and sometimes five or six years later, people would go, oh, and in it, he randomly just stops and he says, you need to plant a garden. So I'm just going to remind you what our founding pastor said, plant a garden. I know, you're like, where did that come from? It came from me looking in my Bible where I had the notes at. I've often wondered, what did Cain do wrong? You know, I've read explanations that suggest they're like, it's because there wasn't any blood in the sacrifice, but I don't want to like, you know, if, you, if that's the way you've been teaching it and believing it your whole life, I'm not trying to offend you, but I don't really see any biblical backing that God was not pleased with Cain's sacrifice because it didn't have blood. In fact, when you look in Leviticus 2, you see that grain offerings were a perfectly acceptable offering to the Lord and that there's no indication that this was an offering of sin, for sin. This was not a, an offering of the sacrifice of sin. It was more one of worship. So you start asking yourself, like, what, what went wrong? Where did Cain go wrong? I mean, he, he literally gave the Lord the fruits of his labor, and so did Abel. But you see, when we, we understand the interconnectedness of Scripture, you go to Hebrews 11.4, and it tells us why God did not accept Cain's offering. This is why. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which... He obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. I want to present to you this morning that not all worship, all worship is not equal. There are many of us who have come this morning and we have brought worship 
and there's someone on the other aisle and God is looking at some of our worship and just to be quite frank, he is not pleased with the way we worship. Anything presented to God that is not done in faith is not pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. You see, Cain brought a religious requirement and he laid it on the altar. Abel Abel brought a relationship with God and he laid it on the altar. Cain brought content, but Abel brought his heart. You see, it's not about what you bring, but it's about how you bring it. Many of us struggle because we say, I don't have much to give. I don't have the talents that so-and-so's got. But did you know that no talent offered up in faith is more pleasing in the eyes of the Lord than all the talent in the world offered up as a religious requirement? You say, I don't have anything. Well, then give it in faith and expect that God will bring about a multiplication. You see, he wants your faith. He doesn't want our lip service. He doesn't just want our hands and our feet. He wants our heart. And when he's got our heart, he'll get our hands and he'll get our feet. He don't just want your works. He doesn't just want your works. He wants your heart. But a heart that's been changed by the Spirit of God will go to work. It will change. You see, when he looked down at Abel's offering, I think Abel could have offered up a grasshopper and God would have been pleased because he offered it up in faith. You see, Cain presented it in his own power. Cain brought him some and Abel brought his first. But don't be confused that the reason God You see, sometimes we get things out of chronological order. That's why we're going through the Bible in chronological order. We look and we say God was pleased with Abel's gift because it was his first. God was displeased with Cain's gifts because he just brought him some. But that's not true. He was pleased with Abel's gift because of faith. But Abel brought his first because of his faith. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? What we can do is we can look at these things and we can start patterning it after the pattern and not after the principle. Oh, Abel brought his first. Okay, honey, let's give our first, give the first 10% of our paycheck this week and God's going to bless us. He ain't going to bless you if you don't give it in faith. He's not going to be pleased with it. If you give it in faith, what you're doing is you're saying that my righteousness is good enough. But see, evidently, Abel had been listening to mama and daddy's devotions at night, explaining that they tried in a sinless environment. They tried to do what was right and they did what was wrong. And then they tried to cover it up themselves and it didn't work. And then somehow, some way, without a written word of God and only the verbal word of God, Abel, Abel had gotten him some faith and understood something that would be expressed in the New Testament, that our righteousness is like filthy rags. You see, Abel brought his first because he had faith. It takes faith to bring your first. I was talking to my buddy, Nate. Where are you, Nate? There's a rising number of guys in this church and women in this church who who got gardens. Y'all can laugh at me all you want like we've been laughing at all the conspiracy theories that are finding themselves to prove true. Get mad at me, that's fine. 
I, love, I just love you enough to say, hey, he who has ears to hear, eyes, let him hear. He who has eyes to see, let him see. But anyways, we were talking and he was talking about how he was getting this certain kind of corn and I was looking at it and I was like, that's pretty corn. And he was saying that what he was going to do with the first crop of it was he was just going to keep it for seed so he could have a harvest later, right? Now that's a good agricultural practice. But the thing is, is that God takes agricultural things and then he, he teaches us something from it. See, what Abel did is he raised his crop and he took his seed crop and he gave it to the Lord. Now that don't make no sense. You're, you're literally going to give to the Lord the first of your flock, the thing that is going to allow your flock to grow. See, a lot of us, that's the way we look at our money. We struggle with the concept of tithing. We bring God some, but we don't bring him our first. And, and then we turn it into a religious thing and we get beat over the head by it. But can I tell you something? If, if God has your faith, he will have your first. But just by giving him his, your first doesn't mean that you have faith. It might mean that you are trying to do it in your own power. I want you to stay with me this morning. We got to keep moving. What does it mean to worship in faith like Abel did? I believe that when we worship in faith, we're anticipating that God will do what he said he will do. I don't know why I'm doing my fingers like this. I think it's because I read a verse that Nelson Radford showed me and it said that the Lord will, he'll guide your fingers into battle. And I started reading it and I started doing like this. And I'm like, Lord, what does that even mean? I love silence, by the way. Did you show up this morning to the gathering of the saints with an anticipation and an expectation that the Lord of hosts was going to be right here in the middle of us and he was going to shift things in your heart that you've been trying to shift for years? Did you show up expecting that when the saints gather together and the Lord is in the middle, that junk has to go, demons have to flee. Did you show up this morning and sing the name of Jesus? And when you sang it, was it just a religious requirement or were you in your heart thinking about all the spiritual wars and battles that were being fought for you just by singing the name of Jesus? 
There's a difference between the gathering of the saints and a faith-filled gathering of the saints where we show up and we expect the Lord to show out. We expect the Spirit of God to move in gifts of prophecy, in words of knowledge. We expect that he will give us the gift of discernment. We expect that people will be saved. Why are we surprised when people come down to this altar and give their hearts to the Lord? Why? Because our faith is low. Because we just showed up as a religious requirement. We should be surprised when the Spirit of God is moving and no one is saved. We should be saying, what's wrong? What are we doing wrong? The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Can you get an image real quick? Sin is crouching at the door. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain did not kill Abel because God rejected his offering. I need, I want you to really understand. When I was a math teacher, I remember teaching kids area formulas. Some of you are just like, dude, you, that is, this is not inspired by the Lord if you start talking about geometry. <laughs> I remember teaching kids area formulas and they were always like, what's the area formula for a triangle? I can't remember it again. And I'm like, I'm not telling you the area formula of a triangle. If you know the area formula of a rectangle or a square, you should be able to deduce the area formula of a triangle. Because it's half the length times the width. In theory, never mind, okay. Raise your hand if you have problems in math and you want us to come, you want us to come, you want to, come to the altar and we're going to lay hands on you right now. What I was trying to tell them is this, is like, I can, you can memorize stuff or you could just learn the principle and you could go home and feed your own family rather than depending on me to do it for you. That's what I'm trying to say here. You see, it, it, this wasn't just a little thing we memorize and say, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know what, uh, uh, he did this wrong. No, God did not reject, Cain did not kill Abel because God rejected his offering. God rejecting Cain's offering because of what caused Abel's murder. Cain killed Abel because there was pride in his heart. How do I know this? How do we know this? Because when confronted, there was no remorse. There was no repentance. There was just anger. Parents, let me just stop you real fast. Our kids learn real fast how to smooth things over. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. My bad. And then you question them a second time. Are you really sure you're sorry? Yes, I said I'm sorry. Gosh, what else do I got to do to get forgiven around here? Oh, thanks for showing me that. You're not sorry. It's perfectly fine. It's okay. 
I'm glad she's in here. And I mean that. It's a blessing. Y'all better look around right now and you better just thank God. This is a blessed church. And if that distracts you, you came with as religious requirement. You didn't come in faith because that's the heart of God. It's that that will enter into the kingdom of heaven. My response is my responsibility. You see, there's a temptation to believe that stressful or undesirable circumstances cause us to do wrong things. In other words, it's easy to look at this story and say, Cain killed Abel because God rejected his offering. But when God rejected his offering, it only revealed what was already in the cup. You see, we blame what comes out on the people and the circumstances around us. But it's just when the cup gets bumped, whatever's in it's going to come out. And it's not what bumped you's fault that water came out. It just caused to come out. What was in there is going to come out. My response is my responsibility. If coffee comes out, it's because you put coffee in it. If nothing comes out, because you put nothing in it. I'm no witness. Listen, I preach this all the time. I say it to people all the time in premarital counseling. And then Caitlin and I will get into a, 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 a debate. <laughs> and I'm over here five minutes in. I'm like, if you would just do then I wouldn't do da-da-da-da-da. And I know what she's wanting to do. She's wanting to say, my response is my responsibility. But I want you to see how fast we turn this. And even when we read something right here, we're like, man, that must have felt really bad. We feel bad for Cain. Like, I, I wish God hadn't rejected his offering. He wouldn't have killed Abel. No, he would have found another reason to kill Abel. It was in his heart. Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Let me say something real fast before I read any further. I am Cain. You are Cain. We are Cain. Before we get a religious spirit about us and start thinking about all the people that are Cain's and we're just sitting here in our pure little innocent able self, ain't none of us able. Just I ain't going to go because I could just let it let it sit. Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Proof that sarcasm is not of the Lord. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. He is a just God. And even when you have to endure injustice, know this. He is going to judge all things. Everything will have to account. The blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you were cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. 
You are Cain, I am Cain, we are Cain. Many of us think to ourselves sometimes, we would never do anything like this, but yet we have. We all have. Jesus would come along and say in the New Testament that you've heard it wrong to commit murder, but I say unto you, if you have anger in your heart to a brother, that it's the same as murder. When we have uncontrollable outbursts of anger, we are literally entering into the zone where murder happens. So in a sense, we're guilty of the same thing. We quickly see the exponential consequences of sin happening right here. A horrible thing to happen. But we also see this, man, even when it seems like justice will not be served, we know that God is a just God. Amen. Cain said to the Lord, oh, this is, this is beautiful. I want y'all to see this. Cain says to the Lord, he cries out, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold, the number of completion. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. The Cain, then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and sandaled, settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Isn't it amazing how in this moment, you see God's judgment in one hand and his mercy in the other. For God to be a just God, he has to judge. God's judgment and his love for us exists together and there is no conflict. That even in the middle of his judgment, he still has mercy to sinners. He still puts a mark on Cain. He still places his hand of protection on Cain. When we wrestle with the attributes of God and, and we, we in our minds think that they're somehow conflicted, it's because we're separating them and not seeing them and how they work together. I'm going to skip a few verses. We'll send you an article about the other ones, or you can read it yourself. Verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, Hendrick's family. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. That's what Seth's name means, appointed. For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born and he called his name Enosh. This is beautiful how the, the, the chapter ends. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. See, God's promises are yes and amen. Many times the Lord, he gives us a promise. And then it feels like it's just taken away. And we can't see, Lord, where is this going to come from? 
It might look like the beautiful thing is gone, but God has a way of bringing beauty from ashes. He makes us a promise that he will turn our mourning into dancing. So even if you were never a dancer to begin with, he's just not going to return your joy. He's going to turn your mourning into dancing. He will take every test that the enemy throws at us. And yeah, I know, I've said it before. He will turn it into a testimony. Everything the locust has eaten, he's going to have to repay. You see, the name Seth means appointed. In other words, God is laying out the rest of the plan for man just in the first few chapters of Genesis. You see, if you can get the first few chapters of Genesis, you get the whole Bible. You actually get the gospel in the Old Testament. We see this pattern over and over that God gives blessings. We sin and we mess it up, but God responds with an appointed one. In fact, he takes it a step further. He doesn't just respond with an appointed one. He responds with an anointed one who doesn't just come in and, 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 and give us the promise, but he comes with a power to lead us out of captivity. You see, there would one day come another Seth. There would one day come another appointed one. And even though Abel was gone, God would still bless Adam and Eve through Seth. And you would see these two young men and their lineages, Cain's descendants would focus on buildings, creating things with their hands. And it seems like they were very successful. Seth's descendants would have a heart after the Lord. You see, one day God would appoint another offspring and sin would kill him too. In all honesty, in all honesty, if we go as upstream as we could, not to remove personal responsibility from Cain, but Cain didn't kill Abel. Sin killed Abel. And no matter what problem you face, what problem our society faces, whether it is racism, whether it is sexual orientation issues, whether it is abortion, the murder of unborn children, no matter what the issue we are facing, we have to always remember that beyond that, the issue is sin. And we can attack and we can address these issues at the surface, but if we're gonna see real change, if you're gonna see real change in your heart, in your home, in this community, and in the world, the sin issue will always have to be addressed. It's Black History Month. Did you, let me give you a little piece. Did you know that this verse on Cain was part of the false doctrines that were taught to churches in the South, that the mark was darker sin and it was a curse because of sin. And it, it, it allowed people who claimed to have a relationship with God to enslave people that were not fair complected. 
Go pull you out an old commentary and you'll see it. It's sick. But yet there's not one thing in Scripture that even closely indicates that that is the truth. In fact, if anything, the mark doesn't even really appear to be a physical mark. It appears to just be something that just everybody knew when they got near Cain. And for many of us, we hear that and we're like, man, I didn't know that, now I'm mad. But can I tell you something? What I, that little fact, that little fun fact that I just shared with you, that's not the issue. Racism is not the issue. The Democrats are not the issue. Some of y'all need some faith to believe that one. It's not the issue. Let me talk to the other side. Republicans are not the issue. Some of y'all need some faith to believe that too. Capitalism is not the issue and neither is socialism. Now, I ain't even gonna pretend to take sides over there. <laughs> I don't want none of that. Look, your two-year-old is not the issue. Your husband is not the issue. Somebody say amen right now. Are you men? No, it's just men. What are you women talking about? Sin is the issue. I want you to stand with me. One day God would appoint another offspring and sin would kill him too, but he would not stay dead. He would come back to life and he would triumph over sin and death. So why? So that people could call on the name of the Lord. This is the Bible. Every single chapter, every single verse, every single word whispers the name of Jesus. It whispers the name of Jesus. Every story in every book, it whispers the name of Jesus. It was all part of God's plan to help us understand that we had a problem with sin and that we couldn't set ourselves free. So we needed a Samson. We needed an Ehud. We needed a King David. We needed somebody better. We needed somebody final. We needed someone that could cover our sin. We didn't just need an appointed one. We needed an anointed one to come and do what we couldn't do. So even when I'm reading about Cain and Abel, Abel, I see Jesus on the cross with his arms spread open. And I'm not thinking about the marks on Cain because that's not where my hope comes from. I'm looking at the marks on the hands and the feet and the sides of Jesus. And I say to myself, I'm glad I don't have to do this on my own. He did it for me. This is the Bible. Every verse whispers the name of Jesus. Every verse whispers the name of Jesus. And just like the Bible, whether you see it or not, whether you know it or not, every event on every page of your history, every moment in your life, every child you bring into this world, your marriage in and of itself, your relationships with each other, they all are a stamp and every one of those whispers the name of Jesus. I wanna ask you, are you here this morning and you don't know Jesus? You've never called out on his name. You're not saved by religious requirement, you're saved by faith. You're not saved because you came 
to the gathering of the saints together. You're saved and you're only saved when you confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved if you do that. Are you here this morning and you're tired of being like Cain? You don't want to wander the earth anymore. You don't want to try to do it on your own anymore. You say right now, I need Jesus. Raise your hand right now, wherever you're at, and say, hey, I see you right there. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you right there. Come on. Anybody else? I see you, man. Yes, sir. Come on. Yeah. That's faith. That's not. Yeah, yeah. Come on. No, listen. Listen. Somebody's going to tell you that this guy got up here with a big head and preached. And in the very end, he started talking real loud. And then these musicians came up and they just made you feel all emotional. That's a crock. This is faith. This is called faith. Because without faith, you can't even see yourself as a sinner and see Jesus as the Savior. This is faith. This is what faith feels like. I want you to pray with me if you just raise your hand right now and you say this. Say, Jesus. Come on, I want all of you to call on his name. Jesus, you are the son of God. You are the appointed one. You are the anointed one. I confess you, Jesus, as the son of God, as the payment for my sin, as the covering for my sin. I confess you as God's son, that you died on a cross. You came back to life, and you're alive. And you're saving me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer and there was faith in your heart to believe, and I believe there was, the Bible says you are saved. I need to tell you a couple things about your salvation real fast. The Bible says now you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, is that what God started in you right now, he is going to finish that work in you. And when you mess up this week, what you're going to be tempted to do is to look at yourself in the mirror and say, that change really didn't happen. And then I'm going to point you to the word of God that says this, any right living that comes about by our own efforts is like filthy rags. It's his righteousness. So when you slip up, mess up, give in to your hurt, your hang up or addiction, right when you got it in your hand, just start saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I've never been more the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus than when I'm messing up. You know why? Because then I realize it's not by me. It's not by what I can do, but it's by what he's done. If you raise your hand to be saved this morning, I want you to come hang out with me in the altar real fast. Come here. Will you just come with me real quick? Come on. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church Online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.